desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing to me. I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old. Boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the RT Sport podcast that explores how lead athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm delighted to say that my guest today is one of Ireland's most decorated footballers, former Manchester United and Republic of Ireland player, John O'Shea. John, thanks a million for coming on. How are you and how is life? Thanks, Marie. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, all good. We're, um, we're adjusting to to life back in Manchester again we, we moved back up with the family so is coaching then John what you see yourself doing for the rest of your life or for the immediate future anyway because it's really hard when you're still so young to be embarking on a, a new career yeah well look that's what I was kind of preparing myself for Marie a little bit towards the end of my career uh, playing wise and obviously having that experience now I've had with uh, with Reading the last couple of seasons it was fantastic uh, eye opener for me in terms of um the other side, the preparation that goes in, and the the hard work that's done in the in the background for to get teams ready and uh, players prepared for the game. So uh, it's gave me a good taste of it, and obviously being involved with the twenty ones as a good uh, another fantastic experience too. So the more uh, little little things like that I can build up and and educate myself with, along with the the pro license and the course I'm doing away for too. So keep myself busy and trying to prepare myself to hopefully. Be a, be a manager or head coach one day, as they say. Was it surprising to you? Was there anything surprising to you about it when you did kind of make that transition from player to coach that you, you didn't know or that you weren't expecting? Um, I look, I suppose, when, you, when I've been a player for so long, um, you do take it for granted, as in, you know, obviously, there's a good bit of detail, but when you're actually involved in it yourself and preparing it yourself, it's... Um, you, you, you really appreciate the work that goes in, whether it be um, the physios, the the analysts, the, the, the all that side of it. You really appreciate the skill that they have. And obviously you're trying to get little bits from them and improve yourself IT-wise, not only just obviously coaching on the pitch. There's a lot of coaching done off the pitch now too. So um, you, have to, you have to upscale yourself as best you can. The Irish public, I think... The majority of them, anyway, have accepted that Stephen Kenny is trying to do things a certain way and he has a philosophy that he would like to implement. He's got huge belief in his players and uh, we're seeing some of the fruits of that on, on the pitch anyway. He didn't get quite uh, a lot of time with them, but it is starting to improve. Just the fact now that you're bringing the next crop through, John, do you see what he's doing and think, right, we're going to have the players at underage level to be able to to replicate what they're doing at senior level and ultimately develop players to to eventually fit into the system that he wants to play? Yeah, exactly. And look, the, the key thing is, Marie, behind it all is what they do at their club level too, because obviously the, the short amount of time that um, international managers say have, international staff have to, to work with their players is, um, it, it's tough in that sense because you, they're coming in now to those three games in a short period of time. So um, it's not as if you're going to get loads of time to work with them on the pitch, on the training pitch as such, because there's going to be recovery involved and stuff like that. So that's what we're talking about, the 
the tactical side off the pitch in terms of video meetings and analysis and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's a different kind of preparation. But the key thing for the players coming through now is progressing at their clubs. And if they can progress at their clubs and get first team football, I think that's the huge thing for for Irish football going forward. Because there is some there is some exciting talent as we've seen already in the senior team and there'll be I'm sure there'll be a few more coming through very soon too. We're not seeing so many though at Premier League level. It's different than I guess your generation now, it is probably a generation ago at this stage. Is that a worry, do you think, that maybe we're not going to have the standard of international um, teams because we're not going to have players playing at that very top level just because there's an influx of players now from all over the world, whereas traditionally there was a lot from um, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, maybe closer to home? Yeah, look, the, the in comp- competition has increased. I think that's clubs... You go down even to the championship level, the recruitment side of things, where they're where they're going to scout and uh, fielding uh, calls from agents from from all over the world to, to kind of get, get themselves into the championship, but mind the Premier League. So um, the competition has has increased dramatically. But also, look, you have to understand that that's the Irish players have to rise to that challenge too and accept it, I suppose. And I think that might come back to down, might come back to the club that they. They choose maybe first in terms of uh, where they can break through a bit quicker and get the chance to be seen and playing first team football that bit quicker too. So it, it's a tricky one because you want to you want to give yourself or your, if I'm looking from a parent's point of view, your son or uh, daughter the best chance to go to the club that has the best coaching and the best facilities type of thing where they think they can get the the best chance to improve and be, become the best professional they can be. So it's a tricky one, but um, hopefully, as I said, I think we've, we've fingers crossed, but we look as if we're on the right line of producing another, another uh, good crop of youngsters that can be competitive at Premier League level. Yeah, hopefully anyway. Um, okay, John, let's get into our set questions. So what's your first memory of sport? First memory of sports. Um, well, it would have been, I, I think the big one for me properly would have been, I think, FA Cup finals um, in terms of uh, just the, what I did on the streets from where, from where I was down at Ferrybank, uh, where I grew up in terms of the atmosphere. Um, not, not also just, look, it was any kind of sport in the sense of if it was uh, Wimbledon, it was tennis, it was tennis for a week, two weeks. It was Harland uh, uh, Gaelic football. The like the, the finals, obviously Waterford. They were getting close to all Ireland finals when I was growing up. But um, no, look, the, and the Gaelic football side of things that kind of came with school more so rather than summer. But the, the first kind of clear memories I had in terms of with Ireland would have been Euro '88. Um, that would have been the first kind of outstanding memory I had of uh, obviously a major tournament and uh, obviously there was a there was a good run of tournaments to come then as well after that so th- that would have definitely got a got a bug for me for the football then. So who were your heroes growing up then? Who were the people that you had stuck up on the wall? Um, Paul McGrath would have been definitely one Paul was a a big uh, a big role model for me um, in terms of his his I suppose his calmness on the pitch and um and we never looked uh, under pressure. Um Paul would have been say on the Irish side of things um growing up and then it was weird because of the Italian football on um 
on Channel 4 on the Sundays, that would have been a chance to see a lot of the um, AC Milan players at the time, that good AC Milan team. We were talking about, um, there would have been Barese and Maldini, Costa Curta, all them guys that seemed to play on forever. So um, those guys, and even at, there was a German player, Matthias Sammer, um, who just caught the eye from, uh, he played at the back, but also could play in midfield. Uh, he was one as well that stood out, but from an Irish point of view, it was uh, it was always Paul McGrath. So, what stage then did you realise that you had talent for sport? Um, it, 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 I suppose you, you would have sensed. I would have sensed I had a talent um, when I was playing underage. Say, when I might have been ten. Oh, say, how old was it? Ten or eleven, and I was kind of playing on the twelve, on the twelves and the thirteens. I was always playing. My dad was obviously uh, heavily involved in football with Ferrybank, and um, I used to play on quite a few teams below my a uh, few years below, shall we say. He used to stick me out on the right wing uh, because I was fast, believe it or not, Marie, uh, for 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 a good while. So. No, look, that that's when you start to realise, okay, I must be I must be doing something okay, because obviously you think the other players might take a bit of offence to it as well, this young fella coming along and playing, but uh, I was obviously doing okay. And then when you get to under 14, 15, that was for me when I kind of realised, okay, um there might be there might be a chance here to do something uh to get recognised, you know, playing for Waterford. And then if you get the chance to play for Waterford, the Kennedy Cup team. You might get international recognition, that, that type of thing. But um, when I was that, that little bit younger, I wouldn't say I definitely recognised um, in my head that it was a clear talent, you know, but I was just fortunate. The school I went to and the club I was at, um, De La Salle, the, sorry, the school De La Salle, that they encouraged me obviously so much on the sports side of things too, as well as education. So um, I think that was that was a big factor for me too. Were you playing other sports at that time, like when you were a kid? Yeah, Gaelic football. I did a little bit with the hurling, Maria, to be honest. I think my dad, <laughs> dad my dad uh, was a Kilkenny man. Um, and obviously he was he was huge into the hurling, but he when he worked, he worked in Morford Crystal all his life. And early when he went up to catch a ball one day, someone pulled across his, uh, his hand and he was out of work for, for a couple of months. So... That that put him off hurling for a while, and obviously, uh, he, he's me. He maybe thought, well, this fella can skip the hurling too, the hurling training. So, uh, no, I loved I loved the Gaelic football, um, and I probably had to stop playing it then when I got to fifteen, sixteen, because um, obviously then it was starting to get a bit, a little bit serious on the football side of things. But um, in the Gaelic, I was I was full forward or centre midfield. That was me. Uh, me two positions, uh, mainly full forward for the school, and uh, club for club it was midfield. So you were always versatile then, even when you were young. Yeah, well, some of the some of the teachers even in uh, in football were trying to get me to play up front as a striker uh, for the school team at times too. So uh, they knew they knew I was I was up to something. At what stage then did you start to think about having a professional? sports career, professional football career and start thinking about where what you needed to do and how you were going to get there? Yeah, it would have been, probably would have been when I was um, 
16 and the first club that kind of asked me over for a trial to the UK um, was Queen's Park Rangers and uh, they had a couple of they had a couple of guys David Whittle was there from Waterford already um, so they had a kind of a connection to 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 what to Bowes in Waterford so they invited me over for a trial and um, I was there a week and they'd offer they, they called me in and said they wanted to offer me a four year contract so uh, and I was only 16 at the time so it was a little bit crazy and obviously my mum and dad were thankfully they were calm about it um, I would say my mum was a lot more calmer but my dad was a bit like well, we might have to take that you know that's what an incredible kind of you're offered four years two year YTS contract and a two year professional contract um, I say my mum was a lot calmer but she just didn't want me to leave home she was like you're not, you're not going anywhere I'd say um, so. but no we spoke to my dad was able to get Kevin Moran's number and Kevin obviously uh, became my agent then and uh, long term say advisor and good friend so um, we got the advice to Kevin just basically said look if if they're offering him that after a week there'll be there'll be more teams involved um, going forward and take take your time and basically we, we, we stuck to that advice and it was thankfully proved, proved to be good advice I'd say though when you're telling a, a 16 year old who's mad to go I'd say and, and mad for Oat to take his time it's it probably hard for your parents as well yeah it would have been I think um, I think that's where I'm, obviously they took Kevin's advice on board and other people as well but um I think as well I was doing okay in school um, education wise so they were probably thinking right well I was kind of coming into my leaving cert so let's take let's take this, let's get that done at least and then you can maybe off, off you go down we'll see what's around in the year's time I know that every kid is different and every situation is different but when you just take into consideration the path that you went on, went on and then think of all the young kids that went over and ended up coming back six, eight months, a year later when they were so young. Looking at the generation now, I know there's Brexit and it's a little bit different, but what do you think is the best thing for young kids now aspiring to one day have careers in football professionally? What do you think they should do? Um, it, it's exactly a little bit what you said, Marie, in a sense of every case individual um, but I think the more maturity a kid has um, the, the better chance they have because obviously you're going into such a fierce competitive environment of yeah everyone's your friend everyone's your friend and everyone's your enemy almost initially because there's only so many players can get promoted up from the youth team to the to the to the 23 team or the B team and reserve team as they can be called too and as you said, the increased competition then from across the world. Um, so it's such a fierce environment. But I think the clubs have a much better understanding now as well of the education side of things. Um, it's improving. It's still, they still have more work to do, but they realise that the, the fallout from uh, the, the U teams is quite big and the PFA. And to be fair, lots of players in the FAI are, have come back towards the FAI and the League of Ireland teams and have been able to get back across again to the UK, but also have good careers in the League of Ireland too and go into coaching and that side of things too. So there has been a good pickup in that and I think that'll get better and better as the years go by. Are you a fan of the League of Ireland? Do you follow it? Yeah, yeah. Good fan of the League of Ireland. Look, 
uh, lots of my friends obviously when I can uh, go out and see the the Blues play um, obviously the their new man in charge has, has picked up the fortunes uh, quite good recently and hopefully that continues you know he seems to have got a good buzz going there again and um, I was going to call them old stages but I can't be calling them old stages Brian, Brian Murphy and, and Eddie Nolan have I've I've fitted back in well too to the club too, so that'll be um big big going forward because they'll they'll be able to explain because they've I believe quite a young team as well and they'll be uh, they'll be huge help to the manager there too. Would you ever give management in the League of Ireland a shot? Just to, management is a journey; it can take you anywhere, and it's a long, yeah. long one. No, it is without a doubt. I've, I wouldn't rule it out, Marie. Um, it's it's not something as you said. There's when you look at the amount of managers, um that are in football in terms of whether it be the, the League of Ireland Premier League, the League of Ireland First Division, then you go Premier League Championship. It's it's small numbers, you know, so you have to get in there somewhere along the line. So, look, you said there when you go into these ultra-competitive environments, everyone's your friend, but they're your enemy as well. You managed to not only survive, but thrive and make it to the very, very top, which is such a rare thing for anyone, really, you know, not just somebody coming from Ireland. You know, it's the numbers that try to do it are massive. The numbers that make it are absolutely tiny. What do you have that allowed you, enabled you to do that? Um, I suppose, Marie, the big one in my head, and yeah, I would have hoped it would have been consistency um, and consistency and reliability I suppose they would have been the two the two big things because uh, obviously it's that competitive nature of the sport but also doing the work uh, off the pitch in terms of uh, how you're resting how you're eating how you're preparing uh, making sure you're fit uh, for every training session making sure you're fit, available for every game and um, all those things behind the scenes that the the unno the unnoticed uh, the unnoticed work shall we say that um people obviously only see it or midweek or at the weekends but it's behind the scenes of how you how you're looking after yourself and um that professionalism off the pitch I suppose as well is a is a big part to it so um but being you need to have that bit of luck along the way but it's that key of uh, being ready being ready for that maybe that bit of luck when it drops your way. Um, that you've done all the work and you're able to take a chance um, and look having having a competitive having a steeliness about you but also having a there's nothing wrong with good manners along the way too And but knowing that you're able to compete and mix it was uh, was obviously a key key attribute too and look I had, had good loan spells I think they were key for me too when I was able to go out and get experience of playing league football uh, one in England and obviously one over in Belgium too so that was a big big help to me So confidence and a little bit of cop on as well seems to go quite a long way yeah. so, <laughs> What did you when you were I suppose look you're on the pathway and you were trying to make it as a footballer and you knew you were you wanted to be one what did you have to work on most in your game um, when you were on that pathway to succeed? Um. <sighs> There would have been a, I'd say, a wide range of things. I remember um, I'd gone over to, well, I'd gone over to Liverpool actually on trial, and uh, they'd wanted they'd wanted me to come over. It was the, the year I was doing the leaving cert, and they wanted me to come over every weekend to um, 
to play in like a U-team game type of thing and uh, obviously maybe sign then after the, the leaving start type of thing but I, I couldn't commit um, I couldn't commit to that and they kind of said okay they, they sent me a lovely letter and it was keeping tabs on ta- on keeping tabs on talent and tabs was technique attitude balance and speed that's what it stood for they had it written at the at the bottom of I think at the bottom of the side of the letter and uh, so those things at that age, the technique from what I'd seen, because obviously I hadn't been in academy, an academy structure. I was getting obviously very good coaching off people down in Waterford and when I'd got involved with the Irish setup, but you're not in an I wasn't in an academy structure from such a young age. And that's that's another subject, you know, you're going to get kids that will flourish early and you're going to get the late developers type of thing. But um I think the thing for me when I went over to the UK first and foremost, I saw the technique that lots of the kids had that maybe I needed to obviously keep working on uh, in terms of left foot, right foot, being just as good as uh, or improving the weaker foot, not just um, focusing on the weaknesses in your game type of thing. That would have been a key thing I picked up early. And once I got back to Ireland and eventually signed, which United the first couple of years, that was the main thing I worked on, just improving the weaknesses. Did you want to sign with Liverpool before you signed for United? <laughs> Celtic, Celtic would have been the one that uh, that that got in the way of that. Um, I was very close, very close to signing for Celtic. Um, they were it, it just get look. I, I enjoyed my time over there at, at Liverpool, but it just didn't. I don't know why. Um, it just didn't feel right or didn't um, yeah, it's just the timing of things I suppose Marie that's why these things happen or, or don't happen um, but Celtic uh, Celtic were brilliant they they'd, uh, they were kind of doing everything they could to, to get me there but um, it was just United came in at the, at the, the last minute so, like Jim Goodwin Liam Miller the lads that were there at Celtic too you know there was a, a good Irish uh contingent there too so it I mean, was this, it was I mean this is a compliment now but like it must have been hard enough like to keep your ego in check when you had all these huge clubs trying to get you to come and sign for them yeah look it was it was a strange one um at the time I think my dad my mom and dad were counting some of the the contacts or letters and different things I think at one stage it was 18 um 18 clubs uh, I'd either offered or uh, been interested in something and I'll, I'll never forget when I was at United uh, in the canteen one day the, every so often the United Scouts from around Europe uh, would be in the canteen uh, the manager would have them over either to watch training and obviously get a progress report on maybe um, players they were, they'd been watching around Europe or younger players I don't, I don't know but uh, this one Dutch guy came over to me and dropped a piece of paper down that my dad had written down. He'd he'd been watching me uh, play in the European Championships. I was it. I think with the words out of the Euros that we won, or uh, one of the competitions after. Uh, no, it must have been the Euros because then I signed for United afterwards. Um, just that my dad wrote down, say my date of birth, age, uh, type of thing, just a few details and the. Dutch scout, he was with PSV at the time. He was wanting to get me over to PSV uh, to, to go over there, but I didn't manage to make it over to PSV. But um, he ended up working for United as a scout years later and still had the slip of paper. 
It's mad. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, it's nice. It, look, it is nice to, to yeah, look, look back now. Big, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. I think that's where, look, you, the respect you gain, obviously, in terms of the coaches that you have. You, you, you look back at that, and obviously, when you get a little bit older and you realise um, the coaches, whether they were a bit firm with you, at, at every level, whether it be school or... Uh, there's different ways to, to, to do coaching and but I was fortunate that every way along the way there was someone uh, with good advice or good uh, training to things for me to learn from as well but obviously my family too were, were a big support and that that's uh, that's what he said that's what sorry I mentioned earlier about every case is, is different for whether you go over at a at a younger age or that a little bit older so was there a moment when you thought okay I've made it here like I'm on the pitch with the best players in the world, doing amazing things, winning, winning at the, the top level. Like I belong here. I am one of the best. Like, um, I look, it it was strange in the sense of, oh, when I first got into the team, um, the the quality, obviously the first the first Premier League title that we won, that I won, sorry, in oh two oh three, um, and we'd come back to to kind of chase down Arsenal. Um, and I played, I think I played in nearly over 50 games, uh, including the league and uh, Champions League and stuff. It was, that was an incredible. And that, look, when you're involved and play so many games, that's when you you realise um, you, you're part of it and you're having an impact. Uh, that's when it's it's really hitting home. But also, bearing in mind, I'd seen the players of maybe one or two years after the treble after United have won the treble that the, the changeover in the squad so you're under no illusions that there's just going to be you got to stay on top of things because you'll soon you'll soon be replaced or there'll soon be a younger player coming in to, to challenge you so you had all those things in the back of my mind knowing okay it's only the start but it was a it was a hell of a start and it was it was, it was amazing amazing to be involved in yeah, it was a hell of a start and it was a hell of a career as well. So when you think of sports people, most, not all, it's actually find it really interesting doing this podcast. Um, some people have had no setbacks at all in their career, but most people have had setbacks that they've had to come overcome, whether it's injury, not making a squad or a team or just something that happened to them when they were a young child. For you, what was the biggest setback that you had to overcome? Um, biggest setback, I think it was... Well, we've spoken about um, playing for Waterford, getting on the Kennedy Cup team, and I managed. We we got to the the way the Kennedy Cup was run. I think it was the last year of it where you had the regionals, and then you got to a, a semi final. So the top four, say counties, would would play off over a weekend, and um, and generally then the Irish under fifteen squad was picked from basically those four teams, and uh, it was it was Waterford, Galway. North Dublin and the DDSL, we were the four, and uh, we'd lost to. Cut a long story short, we lost in the semi-finals anyway. But uh, basically, then someone had told my dad that I'm going to be in the under 15 Irish squad. You know, so of course, absolutely buzzing. But it was all a bit hush hush. You know, that got a little wind or something. I think it might have been Pat Kelly, who was uh, he'd be well known in uh, school by football around Ireland and Pat just happened to he, he got wind that I was in, in the under 15s and it turns out when the squad was announced there was no no sign of uh, 
Mr. O'Shea in the squad. So it was one of them at the time. I was absolutely gutted. But I think deep down, it actually probably helped me, um, helped me, I don't know, relax or maybe not uh, panic. or I don't know what really. It probably just made me think, okay, maybe a little bit in the background, I'll show you that I should have been in the squad. Um, I don't know. But at the time, I just seemed to, okay, I'm not. I was devastated for a few days and then I just got on with things and maybe it did just give me that little bit of hunger and uh, to, to go and win. I think it was when the change of uh, the change of dates went from it went back to the first of January, so you can be underage from a certain. So in the following year, I was eligible for the under 15s again, and I was I was picked and uh, managed to managed to work, work my way through the Irish setup and get a few caps along the way. So no, look, it was uh, it was that that would have been a big setback, and the only other one I would say, um, oh, I was. Because it was a the game to get injured in against France in the playoff game, the World Cup game, when I got injured, and it was the longest injury I was out for too. Uh, I got a myositis in the middle of my quad muscle, and it kept me out for four months. Um, so obviously I had to dwell on that game in France for for quite a while. But also, in the meantime, yeah, kind of, yeah, there, there was younger players coming through at United that were that were getting a chance then to be involved in the first team. And maybe Sir Alex is thinking, okay, these lads are doing okay too. So when when you're when you're out of sight, um, out of mind, and as I've spoken about earlier, it's so so competitive that uh, these short windows can can prove costly. Yeah, they sure can. So when you look back then at everyone that you encountered along the way in your career, not just your football career, actually, just in life, who had the biggest impact on you and on your career? Um, I look, it would be my dad first and foremost. Um, but then I'd say obviously Sir Alex would be would be obviously very much high up there. Um, but my dad, just from the fact of the support and shall we say constructive criticism um, along the way growing up, would have been a would have been a big factor. Um, and then also the fact, look, my man behind the scenes too would have been a your, your family first and foremost. The support I had from um, my big brother too. He was um, as much as he claims his left foot is a lot better than mine, but uh, I wouldn't have been too hard at that age. No, but look, your family, family first and foremost, they were were huge for me. Um, but my dad, obviously, sacrificing so much in terms of um, obviously the usual driving to training and games and all around the country and stuff like that. So that would have been a huge thing. But then when Sir Alex. Realizing um, the challenges I needed at certain stages in my career, whether it be the loan spells and having the the courage to say, "No, look, this is what you need," and don't worry about what other people are saying in terms of um, they'll think you're finished at the club or different things. We know why we're doing this is for you to develop and be ready for the first team. And if you take those challenges on, it'll it'll help you get into the first team. So all those things were were crucial at the time when you look back on it now. Yeah, it sounds like you were lucky that you had the right people around you and that doesn't happen to everybody. And I think it just shows the value of environment as well. And it's something that's cropping up quite a lot now when um, people are talking about footballers developing and just the importance of having those right structures in place from the home to the club and, and whatever along the way. So when you look back at your career and all of the great days that you had, 
and you think about the footballer that you wanted to be, is there a performance that defines you that you go, right, that was, that was just, I was just brilliant that day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, it's, it's a, it's a tough one to really nail um, that one-off performance, if you know what I mean, in terms of, um, where it all fell into place when you're thinking of, um, look, obviously there's, there's individual little glimpses in the sense of when you're, you're, I scored for Ireland on my 100 cap against Germany. Um, that was, look, that was incredible um, to, to do with that night against the world champions. Then I'd have, you know, winning any Premier League is amazing, but to get the, the chance to win five of them, and be involved in winning five Premier Leagues and basically in nine years involved with the first team. Um, so, and then you're reaching the pinnacle of European football. Um, obviously, we ran into a not-so-bad Barcelona team, unfortunately, but uh, scoring a winner in the semi-final of the Champions League against Arsenal at Old Trafford um, in the first leg, um, winning the European Championships with Ireland under 16, that was an amazing achievement, and that gave me a lot of confidence too behind the scenes with with Brian and uh, Brian Carr and Noel O'Reilly. So um, there was there was amazing moments and too hard just to pin one down. <laughs> You're so calm about it all, you know, just the five Premier Leagues <laughs> and this and that. Obviously, the type it's the type of personality that you have, though. Yeah, look, and I think that's it's 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 helped me. It's helped me along the way to to have a steadiness, but also knowing that there's a there's a competitor in there too that's uh, going to challenge too. You know when to when to uh, to bring it out. So, um, what do you think will be your legacy then? Uh, look, it's I hope uh, as I mentioned some of the traits earlier in the sense of uh, reliability, consistency, and having that calmness, uh, being a good teammate. Um also obviously look off off the pitch, uh hopefully doing things right in terms of uh family family wise too, being a good uh example in that sense too. So hopefully that's uh that's an important important side of things too. You know, you can't you can't forget about that. But in terms of on the sporting side of things, hopefully there'll be uh there'll be a few more things to come right. When you look to the future, do you see yourself one day managing the Republic of Ireland at some stage or a club team? Ah, look, that's that's the dream scenario. Yeah, look, that's if you're going to get into management, which I want to do, um, that that's ultimately the aim, isn't it? To to manage and manage your country to have that um, honor would be amazing. But you know, you have to you have to earn the right to get there. You know, it's uh, it's it, it'd be the pinnacle without a doubt. But Obviously, you have to earn your stripes and uh, get out there and get into club management too, and uh, learn learn the hard way. And uh, now I look forward to, it and that's why I'm hoping to obviously get into it at some stage down the line. But obviously, um, enjoying what I'm doing at the minute, learning and uh, trying to improve. 
Well, you're on the way anyway. And if your football career is anything to go by, um, I'd say the uh, management career is going to be just as impressive. John O'Shea, thank you so much for joining us here today. And thanks as well for the brilliant career to be able to look at an Irish player playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world and consistently performing as well um, has been great for so many people growing up as well. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who'd love to follow in your footsteps and also all those great days out you gave us with the Republic of Ireland. Thank you for all of them. And uh, thanks everybody for listening and watching. Please like, subscribe and leave a review.